Hello and welcome to the Niche Podcast for Friday, November 21st, 2014. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about building apps that run everywhere using open web standards like HTML, CSS, JavaScript, REST, and JSON. This week, we talk about a phone gap bug on Lollipop, building Hue Pi with Meteor, and we finally, finally announce that castbacker.com is live. Please stay tuned. The Niche Podcast is next. Hello. Hello. I have to get an office. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Again. Yeah. Just been like, like, oh, okay, ready, finally ready to do the podcast. And like right that second, every person in the house stands right outside my door and starts banging on it. <laughs> the dogs, everybody. Yeah, 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 I am. Um... I woke up this morning to meow, thud. <laughs> <laughs> office cat trying to get in the bedroom, or you were asleep yeah. in the office? Well, I, I was asleep in the office. Uh, <laughs> of course. Um, of course, yeah. And it's really hot in here now, because it gets really hot in here when the door's shut. Hmm. Um, hot in the winter, hot in the summer. I can't win. Um, <laughs> the furnace just came on. I, I apologize now. I've had like an awful head cold, so if I get sniffly and stuffy-headed and sore throat and coughing and all that junk so no problem we're all sick here too well everyone but me i don't you generally get sick knock on wood yeah so let's see what do we have to talk about today uh, um i don't know because the chat window disappeared ah uh, the new skype it's confusing um i have notes here though let's jump into housekeeping shall we okay great so next week the schedule might be a little weird dear listener because it's Turkey Day in the U.S. Uh, might might not be weird. Might be that uh, we just record uh, normally and put it up on Friday. Fingers crossed. But it might be a little weird. So uh, hopefully you can bear with us. What else? Ah, yes. A quick mention about the uh, mentoring program that I, I talked about. I think last week or maybe the week before. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, two of the four spots are sold now. So um, there are only two left. So if there's anybody on the line that uh, bills by the hour or feels like their business is kind of stuck in a rut, then you should check out jonathanstark.com slash mentoring and see if it might be exactly what you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Apparently, apparently people are deriving value from it. So Exactly. That's always nice to have that sort of validation. <laughs> mm. It's just good to, I mean, if nothing else, yeah. it's good to have like a sounding board, an impartial sounding board to like bounce ideas off of. Yeah. I mean, it's way more than that, but that, that's that's like super fun for people. And then there's some other things that are not fun at all that make people cry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> um, anyway, so that's fun. So people check that out, jonathanstark.com slash mentoring. Jeez, I didn't put this in the notes, but this might be a good place to mention, since we're pimping things, mm-hmm. that I don't know how to... I, I want to have like a big drum roll but i don't have a good sound effect for that yeah well have maybe to, i can have to add one i'll just, just go that's my sound effect was it, was it a phaser it was a phaser do i do i need to get out my sonic screwdriver <laughs> that would be excellent the big news is that castbacker.com is live Woo-hoo. yay not only, only, only three weeks after we said where we're going to i know well delays 
not only is it live, but we have our first backer. We do. Which is so exciting. I know. It's so great. So backer number one is good friend Philip Morgan from Philip Morgan Consulting. Um, he is not only the first backer in the entire system, he's the first backer of the Niche Podcast. Wow. Yeah, which is very he fun. Is, he is user number one. Yeah. Back, we can't call him user. He is backer number one. Backer number the whole one. system. Yeah, he wants a t-shirt, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> we, should, we should totally get him a t-shirt. Yeah. I wonder if we could do like sports team t-shirts and say cast backer on the back or just backer. And then it just has, cause sports teams already, you obviously you can print the shirts with individual numbers. So he, we can do like right. the first 10 people get like a one through 10 t-shirt. <laughs> there you go. Like a football Jersey. Um, but anyway, uh, dear listener, if you want to keep continuing, continuing to listen to the show for free, you're welcome to do that. But if you'd like to throw us a little chunk of change, you can go to castbacker.com slash niche, N I T C H. And uh, if nothing else, check out the page and let us know what you think about um, how it looks, how it works. Yeah, yeah. The people that that maybe saw it during the Rails Rumble, um, which I, I don't know if we announced a, a public. I, th- I think we did for the voting. Yeah, I think but we did. Um, the people that maybe saw it during Rails Rumble, we have we've streamlined some things since then. So. Yep, it's a lot leaner and meaner. A little more MVP. I almost said MVC. It's yeah. totally NPC. <laughs> anyway, so we are very excited about that. We hope you are too, and we'd love to hear what uh, you think about it. Yep. And if you have a podcast. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. If you have a podcast, you can, it's like fully live. Like you can go there, sign up, register, create a campaign page for your podcast. There's a video on the homepage that explains how to do it. It's pretty str- Like, I think it's a two minute video. Yeah. yeah. It's super straightforward. Cool. So I think that's all the housekeeping. I think I can't so. I think yeah. of anything else. So I have uh, a funny little bug report this week that um, is related to upgrading my Nexus 5 to Lollipop, Android 5.0, which finally Mm. landed. Uh, Quick side note on Lollipop. Awesome. It is a huge upgrade, even from KitKat, which was pretty good. Nice. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to getting it. It's so cool. But I will say that it's... uh, it's a big change. They, they, uh, I want to say violated muscle memory. That's what I keep thinking. Mm. So like a lot of the, they changed the way the screen unlocks. It's better now, but man, getting used to a new way to unlock your phone takes a second. Um, the notification center is almost turned into a productivity center. Now it's not, it's not, it's, it's always, you've always been able to have interactive notifications in Android, but, um, it's, it's even a level more intense now. Yeah. The lock screens, the interactions on the lock screen. It's really cool. Yeah. I watched a preview video, a guy doing a preview of it a while back. And I was like, man, so much stuff is different. And at the time, I thought I wasn't going to like it. But, but now that I've had eye surgery, I think it'll <laughs> be okay. It does take, it, it took me a day to get used to it, to like get the new muscle memory going. Yeah. Um, the big feature, I think, for web designers and developers that are listening is that the application switcher, which is a major feature of Android, mm-hmm. uh, now treats Chrome tabs as if they're apps. So if you have, so before, and you went into the app switcher, you'd have like Gmail and Hangouts and Chrome, let's say. Yeah. Now you've got individual views from all the applications. So you'll have like, well, I don't know if it's all the, I think some are in there multiple times, but maybe not. I could just be lying about that. 
but you'll have like now it'll be like Gmail, Twitter, and then instead of just Chrome, it'll be every tab you have open in Chrome. Uh, so it so you can switch between basically Android's like web app, website, native app, whatever. This we don't is care. this is what you've been looking at. Here's yeah. the stuff you were just looking at, and it's it's amazing, <laughs> and I love it, and it's great for the web in general. Yeah, that sounds cool. the The thing about it that is notable is, and I don't think this will bother regular people, mm-hmm. um, but it but I have a really strong mental model of the way the OS is put together. You know, as any you know, I'm sure any designer or developer pay, sort of pays a lot of attention to that because they understand how things work. Yeah. And um, on, I remember my first smartphone was, I, you know, iOS, of course, and it was like an iPhone, the original iPhone. And then when I got my first Android phone, I was immediately hit with this sort of sense of kind of like vertigo because it was so smooth. You know, on, on iOS, you're always porpoising into an app and then out of an app and into an app and out of an app and into an app. You're mm-hmm. always going all the way up to the top, like the home screen, and then drilling back into something else. It's getting a little better now, but that was that's certainly the way it was then. And in Android, you can go laterally very easily. So you can sort of skim across the top of a bunch of apps, and then the back button will take you back through apps. Yeah. So it's almost like you have a browsing history of your app screens in Android. And it got really weird because there's so many ways to message people between email and SMS and and uh, regular messaging and Facebook and all these ways. You'd forget wh- what app you were in when you saw something and <laughs> how to get back. And I used to, and at first it really bugged me. I'm like, what app am I in? Yeah. And then like 30 seconds later, I was like, oh, it doesn't matter what app I'm in. <laughs> and so now I got that same feeling again when I you know flip open the app switcher and I was like, whoa. whoa, whoa where's Chrome, you know? And then I'm mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, it doesn't matter where Chrome is. These are the views that I've been looking at. Yeah. And it's, it's in like after 10 seconds, you're like, oh, why hasn't it always been like this? <laughs> I'll have to, um, have to not have hundreds of open tabs in Chrome now though. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. And you can switch that feature off so that they're all collected under one Chrome application. But uh, I love it. It's, it's really cool. You know, of course they're sorted most recent so if you have like mm-hmm. it's not like all your chrome tabs will be in front of everything else <laughs> right they're all like you know if you haven't looked at the tab in a while it'll be way in the back so i mean i'm sure the i'm, I'm sure the folks at palm are like so mad because <laughs> this is exactly <laughs> what web os was like in 2008 or whatever <laughs> but anyway um so so that was a long preamble into a really short bug report which is that Oh yeah, we're doing bug reports. Yeah. Um yeah. uh on Lollipop, I launched Kilo, uh, which is a phone gap app. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that when I was creating a new food and I wanted to set the time, it doesn't work. And it doesn't work in a really head scratching way. So you go into uh it's a, a HTML input with type time. And you just tap on it and a time picker comes up. Mm-hmm. Normally at the bottom of the time picker are three buttons, set, clear, and cancel. Yeah. Uh, on Lollipop, there are two buttons, clear and cancel. <laughs> so, and, the, and it looks exactly the same as the old design. It's just missing the set button. Yeah. So I'm like, uh, I'm like, okay, they, 
moved it to the keyboard. I'm like looking everywhere. There, I could not find any way to set the time mm-hmm. in the, the user interface. So then I'm like, well, wait a second. Maybe it's always been like that. Like how, maybe I've never changed the time on an entry and just take the default value. I'm sure that's not true. So I go to a, I go to a, another Android device that has a KitKat on it. And sure enough, there's three buttons and I'm like, okay. And then I was like, huh, I wonder if it broke in Chrome also. So I visit Kilo in the web browser. And, and in fact, there's a completely different, much nicer time picker in Chrome. Mm-hmm. So uh, I haven't got to the bottom of it yet. Um, there, Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's just totally, you cannot edit a time uh, in, in a in time input field inside of PhoneGap, it appears. I think I, my yeah, first step like a, was... Yeah, sounds like a PhoneGap bug. Uh, it does... I th- I have a feeling it's a bug in the underlying rendering engine that's right. used in PhoneGap. Yeah, yeah I, that's 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 more 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 likely. So I was like, oh, I'll just upgrade to the latest. I'll recompile Kilo with the latest version of PhoneGap. That didn't fix it. So for the time being, I'm just going to change it to a text field, uh, so no picker comes up. But uh, yeah. it's it's v- very interesting. I have not had a chance to report it yet, but I'll probably do that today. That is that is very interesting. Well, that's so, that's funny to have both Android and iOS having problems with different various types of HTML5 inputs. Yeah, I mean that's par- well. What's the what's the iOS one that you're thinking of? Uh, well, actually, well, I was thinking not not inputs. I was thinking the the audio and video oh, tags. Yeah. Just so the, oh, there's a, that's HTML5. another bug report actually. Now that you mention it, mm-hmm. um, which is that uh, to your point, there if you install a an, a web app from Safari to your home screen and it's set to web app capable mm-hmm. launches in full screen mode. Probably everyone listening knows about this. Um, but it, but audio and video tags are broken when an app launches like that. They just don't play. And, um, and in fact, there was an iOS update last night, 8.1.1 that did not fix it. Yeah. <laughs> so way to go. iOS. Good job. <laughs> and I know it's been reported to them. I've seen the bug reports on their, their like like the bug filing things on on their bug tracker stuff, public stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people complaining about yeah. it. Yeah. So just, I'm not convinced they care. I'm convinced they don't care. It's, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're being polite. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just classic. I mean, once they. Yeah. Um, they abandon it's weird because they do push the envelope with some stuff but i think they push the envelope for stuff that they just want to do like yeah. oh you know it would be great if we could do on apple.com uh hey safari guys could you update webkit so we can so that these animations are more like i i don't get it right yeah it doesn't um you know and you'd think you'd think now that that apple.com is finally responsive hmm. <laughs> that maybe maybe well, audio and video would be a higher priority for them but so yeah. they can use it on their own site, but well, no, I mean it works. You don't, yeah, it works in the browser though, doesn't it? It's yeah, just, it does. It's just locked from the. From, it's yeah. there's an app that is called Web App that launches home right. screen apps. It's basically it basically a watered down version of Safari or an older version of Safari with no Chrome. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not Safari, but that's the idea. It's, it's <laughs> Safari with no Chrome. No Chrome meaning <laughs> meaning user interface, not <laughs> not like Chrome Google. Frame for Safari. Google really needs to stop naming their um, products after existing stuff. Yeah, like Chrome and Closure. 
closures. Oh, right. Yeah. At least they spelled it differently. Yeah. Well, Apple like did the same thing with Swift, which was already an open source language. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. Um, so no resolution on either of those things yet, but, uh, if you, um, if you were interested in testing on, well, I can tell you right now, it doesn't work on, I was going to say on, on your iPhone device, there's a, I'll post a link to my test page in the show notes. People can try it for themselves and agree with us that it doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Try and find a workaround. That would be great too. There've been a few, a few attempts at workarounds and there were a couple on stack overflow that didn't work and I. I I spent a fair bit of time trying to do things through um like through the audio API instead of embed tags and, and stuff like that and couldn't get it working either. So mm-hmm. Yeah, tried a bunch of different things. Adding it to the DOM programmatically, waiting for it, changing putting the source lit, you know, just like all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff that shouldn't work, but hey, who knows? Yeah. Uh so anyway, we shall see what happens with that. So those both of those bugs we will have to resolve at some later date. Um, At cool. least, you know, there is some satisfaction, though, in being able to say, oh, there's a bug in this, but it's not my fault. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's nothing we can do about it, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, the thing about the phone gap bug that I love is that I just need to go to the website and change one word, and and it's bas- it works. It's fixed, yeah, basically. Yeah, it's it's not, um, you don't get the pretty time picker, but the app works again. Yeah, it's not ideal, but, and I could even uh, sniff for phone gap and just turn it into text inside of phone gap. Yeah. Or even, I want. I think I can even sniff for lollipop. So I could just say, oh, and lollipop put a, it a uh, text field mm-hmm. while I figure it out. There are plugins, the phone gap plugins for date pickers, but I haven't seen one for a time picker, which would allow me to create like, like a, a JavaScript alternative. Exactly. So anyway, that's life in the big city. Yeah. So, Hey, uh, mm-hmm. want to do a feature? Sure. We can do a feature. Awesome. So I'm super excited about this because it's one of those things that, uh, I just don't know anything about and I'm curious to hear more. So uh, I'm excited about it cause I can control my lights again. <laughs> So long-time dear listeners will know that uh, a while back, Kelly made something called Hue Panel. Yes. Which actually is still live at HuePanel.com, if I'm not mistaken. may or may not work for you. It may or may not work, though. So because at some point, I, I think that at some point it broke and it is dependent on it, like an Ajax request to uh, meet Hue.com to get the bridge ID. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if I wonder if they're like blocking or they're whitelisting IPs or something or they're checking the headers to see if it's coming from the bridge because that's where it's supposed to come from. So I don't know. I, I don't, who knows? I don't know because I'm using I'm using the same the same call in this new stuff and it's working fine. Oh, okay. Well, that rolls that out. Yeah, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but it it did seem to be that it would have would be having difficulties getting getting um getting that information from me, Hugh. Hmm. Huh. Well, the good news is that there's a new thing. There's a new Hue controller in town and it's called Hue Pie. There is. Which I love. I don't know why I think that sounds funny. I'm going to, I'm going to, as the name implies, put it on my Raspberry Pi. Yes. Which is also at the moment unreachable. It's, it's turned on and it's somewhere on the network, but it's IP address has randomly changed and I have to hunt it down again. No. 
That sounds like fun. So, okay. So like walk me through this. Cause I have no, like I saw the screenshot of the interface looks cool. Saw that you use the Flutui colors and <laughs> I can't get away from the colors. Yeah, I know me neither. So, but what's the deal? Like what's, what's, what's the deal? Yeah. Like what's where the does deal? it, where does the it deal? live? Like, how does it do its thing? What, how does a raspberry Pi fit in? Is it specific to raspberry Pi? All these, all these things. Yeah. No, it's, it's not know. specific to raspberry Pi at all. It's just a raspberry Pi as a, a small server that until yesterday was easily reachable anywhere on my network. <laughs> and w will be again at some point, I hope. <laughs> Nice. Um, otherwise, it's going to turn into iMac or Hugh iMac. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, but it requires a web server. Yes, it, and it oh, has to it, be on the LAN. Uh, yes, it has to be on the LAN. Okay. And it's actually it's written in Meteor JS, mm -hmm. which is is you got the the server and, and everything built in. So, um, so yeah, I'm right now. I'm just I'm running it through like the Meteor command from the command line, which runs everything in like sort of sort of like a development mode, sort of like running Rails S on a Rails app. Um, but there are various various ways to deploy it through through Nginx and having that proxy to the Node application and, and that sort of thing. Um, sim similar in concept to how um, how you would configure configure a Rails app hmm. to run in production. Okay, so all that was like totally crazy. So what? <laughs> so back, backing up for a second, just because I'm okay. slow. Meteor JS is a Node module. Yes, it is a it is a Node module. It's a client server combination sort of deal where mm -hmm. you can you write all of your write all of your your JavaScript code and in in my case I'm writing CoffeeScript and SAS and then you run run the the Meteor start the Meteor server and it c compiles everything real time and, and serves serves it to the browser um, that way. And it's serving to the browser HTML. Yes. And HTML, yes. And where is the HTML coming from? Like, is it, the, did you, you have a template or something on the server? On yeah, the yeah. Server? I have a, I have a, um, an HTML template on the server mm -hmm. um, that has my, just like my main, my main layout page and then it's got some some partial templates in it okay and then then meteor like meteor doesn't take that entire file and serve it it takes it takes the like the head of your document and it injects its meteor js goodness and it takes the body and compiles in whatever templates as needed and it's pushing it's pushing the head and the body like the extra templating info that's in that file does not appear on the client. It's not like you, it's not like looking at a file that has JavaScript templates in it. Okay. So that is really interesting. So it's kind of doing, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like it's kind of doing DOM manipulation on the server, but then just mm -hmm. sending you the rendered part. Right. Right. Exactly. Really? Wow. That's crazy. And so are you doing page refreshes or just resend it? No, it's just it's resending it and it does it all real time. So. Holy weird Batman. <laughs> so it's kind of like So I'm trying to like compare this to something like so it's kind of like um that Rails thing where Ajax is out the body every time in a way. Where kind. you're not yeah, it's it's I see that it's not, but so what's so another way to another way to look at it is normally you'd have like a static HTML page with a whole bunch of like template sections or commented out mm -hmm. markup. 
and then you'd have some like recurring Ajax request that was getting JSON, and then you would configure the interface using the JSON. You wouldn't be, but you'd all this HTML that you were going to deal with would be on the client. So if you viewed source, you would see it all. So this is basically updating the DOM on the fly from the server. Yeah, yeah, God, it's like a, wild. it's like getting a stream of of HTML from the server. That is insane. That just, up, just updates real time. That is, that's like there is no client almost. <laughs> so what's you said it adds some goodness to the head. What what's that? Oh um, yeah, there there is some client side stuff, and there is some some client side JavaScript. And actually, actually, when you're writing it, you do write. Um, uh, you can you can split it up in your writing to say I want this JavaScript only to be running and accessible on the client, and I want this JavaScript only to be available to the server. Oh, that, there, do you ever hear of Jaxer? It was years and years ago. Jaxer was exactly that, where you authored JavaScript files on a regular HTTP server, mm-hmm. like Apache or whatever. I think it was a Jaxer server, and you would. And there was like a like a sort of proprietary comment like syntax that you'd put in the JavaScript to say whether you wanted this particular JavaScript to execute on the server or you wanted it sent down to the client and be sitting there waiting for events or whatever. And I was like, I could not get my head around it. <laughs> this sounds the same, which is like, like how do you? Super curious to know how you compartmentalize because now. So like, oh, it sounds so great. Like, oh, now I just have to write JavaScript everywhere. But then it's like, well, <laughs> that's really confusing because before, you know, like if I'm writing PHP, I know that's not you know executing that on yeah. a client. Yeah. So it's really <laughs> easy to keep it separate. So now do you have to like write JavaScript inside of JavaScript? So like, you know, <laughs> um, like a string Meteor, of... Like, no, no, Meteor has this pretty, um, this uh, like some basic basic organization to it where inside the structure of your app anything that's inside us anything that's inside the folder called server is only available to the server and anything that's inside the folder called client is available to the client so okay so the, so you you have like public javascript files that yes. are included just like normal yeah yeah and that's cool okay so so it's really not dry in the sense that if you had something like um field validation that you would you still have to write it in two places. No, no, you don't because because Meteor will allow you to call methods on the server from the client. You just you don't have that code available, but but if you if you have allowed it, you can call those server methods from the client. And so, why would you send any JavaScript to the client? Because you need some JavaScript there in the first place to be able to call them. Okay, so you basically you send your <laughs> event handlers down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's basically the event handlers on the client. Oh my god, I think I'm in love with this. Yeah, some because some event handlers, and actually, you can you can have um, you have access to you have access to, and it can be filtered access or it can be restricted access um, directly to the database from the client. What? That can't be that simple. What do you mean access to? Like re. re- like you Obviously can like your on like on the server it, the yeah it uses like a published subscription model so on the server on the server you can say okay um i have my my collection of of um like for instance i have my collection of lights mm-hmm. and then i can just say okay i'm going to push that collection of lights to the client so the client has access to it and and then on the client side 
I can say, okay, um, you can, you know, there's a line you can include for, uh, for MongoDB, for the lights. And, and now that I have, now that the server has allowed me to have this sort of access to the lights, I can, if I want to, I can make method calls right in my, in my client side JavaScript that are going to manipulate the contents of the, um, the database. That, well, within, not directly. Within the context, I mean, it's, it's being allowed from the client. Right, right, right. Or from the server. Oh my god, this is so cool! Like, I can't, like, I, I'm, this is kind of making sense. <laughs> this might be so. I feel like I say this all the time about everything new. Like, oh Rails, I'm finally going to learn it. Um, oh, we should. I don't know if it's worth talking about. Uh, all right, pretend I didn't say that. So, okay. but I feel like I say this all the time. Is it's like, oh, this is a cool new thing that I'm like going to do, and then I just always just stay with PHP. Don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I'm I am officially into the Rails Rails world now. It's official. Provided, provided I set up the server for you. I just I can't do that part. Yeah, I can't do that part. I can do the application part. I cannot. I cannot set up. I I break Rails. I break Rails. I'm gonna get you, a T-shirt that says that. Yeah, so, you break the environment. <laughs> yeah, I just can't get the. Th- I don't know how it. Like you sent me a brand new Vagrant image. It's like he's like here. Kelly's like, here, this is the machine I'm using. Download it and use that. Okay, I did it. It broke. Didn't work. Right? <laughs> what in the world? Right? It wasn't me. No. I mean, it's me because I'm cursed. But it's, Yeah, but... Anyway. So, but Node, I am way more excited about Node than I am about Rails. Mm. I've been so... I'm like super excited about Node, but I have no... There's just no entry point for it. Like, like I like it as a command line thing but I'm so much more facile with PHP that I would only use node for something that only node has a library for, you know, like <laughs> right. phantom JS or something. Right. But this is like, wait, I could actually do, cause I would love to write just JavaScript oh, yeah. so much better. And, and to be able to do like, just like, you know me, I love my simple little web apps. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah, so, this is, this is great for, for simple little web apps. But so talk me down, like what stinks about it? Um, you know, as a, well, other, other than the MongoDB smell, (laughs) 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 which there, which there may be other database adapters available that you could use, but Mongo is, is, is what it uses by default. And Mm -hmm. can you hear my cat? No. Okay, good. Because he's been out there for like 20 minutes. (laughs) But, um, maybe I can. Yeah, I can a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, we can. It sounds like you're quietly banging your head against the desk, which oh, I just no, assumed is what you were doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only when you were talking about setting up your Rails environment. <laughs> uh, it's not my fault. I just did exactly what you said. It didn't work. Anyway. It's, it's, it's hilarious. But at the same time, um, <laughs> you know, I haven't, I haven't really found a lot, anything about Meteor that, that I hate. Mm-hmm. Um, just just that um, the same problem I have with... JavaScript in general, um, be it be it a Node app or just writing a lot of client side JavaScript, is that it's just it tends to like it. It feels, uh, especially right now, since I'm since I'm using CoffeeScript, it all feels very light and airy. But at the same time, it feels like it can get disorganized really easily if you're not um, disciplined about it. Yep, I know that feeling. Is it? Is and of course you probably have callback hell and all that stuff. But so wait a second. So if, so well, Node is kind of. I mean, Node is 
the whole thing's like an asynchronous sort of thing, right? So you have callbacks everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's actually, I think that's pretty cool for some things, but sometimes you want synchrony, I guess. Sometimes you want things to run synchronously. Um, yeah, um, Meteor does some some interesting things with latency compensation, and I'm not entirely sure how that works, but it's... Um, sounds like a Super Bowl ad. If you've experienced latency compensation, <laughs> latency compensation. try... yeah. This, this little blue pill. <laughs> try Notator. Anyway, try Meteor. <laughs> Meteor. Meteor for your latency compensation. <laughs> side, and then effect, they, they, side effects may include drowsiness, dry mouth, and death. <laughs> they cut to the long-suffering wife. It's yeah. okay, honey. Anyway, I don't know how we got there, but <laughs> um, so so latency compensation, yes. Yeah, and I haven't looked into like the nuts and bolts of how that works. I, I literally only just started playing this with this last night. Um, really? Yeah. Wow. So the, yeah, the other I mean, thing it's that, like there's there's nothing to learn because you already know JavaScript. Yeah, I guess. So, I mean, there's there's very little to actually learn. You just have to get your head around the um, the 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 method calls and yeah, like the call, calling methods from the client and the the publish subscribe stuff. So in the front end code, are you doing like Meteor dot some thing, like Meteor dot execute, and then you name some function that you wrote that's on the server? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, sweet. That's how I would have said so it. So you you've already learned half the <laughs> half of what there is to know right there. So that is pretty sweet. Okay, so. The, the, yeah, and the, it, it has some. Sorry, it has some packages um, specifically for working with PhoneGap and that sort of thing that I haven't looked into. But. Oh, interesting. So I'm curious about the. Oh, something just occurred to me. Like, it, no, there's there's no way that you. Is there any way that this is useful in a, in a browser that doesn't have JavaScript? In a browser that doesn't have JavaScript, I think you're just going to get a blank page. Okay, so like, nothing. so when it sends the DOM back, it it's oh right because it's oh, you, the whole thing is happening over service workers. So yeah, okay, so um, so what there was, is a there's a little bit of limited browser support there, but and did they say anything about concurrency? Because you'd think if you're streaming web pages to people that that would be like a really really intense long lived connection, so you'll end up with tens of thousands of simultaneous connections on a busy server. Um, that's why you don't use Apache. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's not a big deal. I, I don't know, to be honest. I haven't gotten far enough into it to to really understand all of that yet. HuePy doesn't have 10,000 concurrent users no, yet? No, HuePy doesn't have 10,000 concurrent users. Come on. Um, Office Cat's not using HuePy yet. <laughs> huh. I think my, I think my, um, my router would, would crap out before. Right. Is is the um, code on GitHub or something? Yes, yes, the code is on GitHub. Oh, I'm dying to look at that. <laughs> it's super interesting. It's it's on GitHub and it's it's pretty light and I'm 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 in, I'm liking it. I don't know that I would use this for a big app, just mm-hmm. just because of the the tendency to sort of I don't know. It sounds weird, but it, it almost feels it almost feels like too minimalistic. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. That it's yeah, it, it feels like it's so minimal, like it's it's so lightweight that for something big, like you could easily get lost. I can definitely see that. Like when I've worked on projects that, like as soon as I hit, I'm, I'm in a project that the JavaScript hits like a thousand lines of stuff that mm-hmm. I've written. You have to be religious. Like it does not give you any help. You have yeah. to be religious about. That's why I'm such an animal about alphabetizing stuff. 
mm-hmm. because it's like the only semblance of organization. Or, yeah. yeah. I mean, JavaScript is awesome for a lot of reasons, but organization is not one of them. No, it's not. And, and you know, there's and there's a little bit of there's the separation there between client and server, and you can have things in subdirectories that you know as as desired. And there's a, there's a public folder for any any static assets you want to serve. And hmm. but uh, so I mean, you can you can organize it yourself, but you do you have to be diligent about it. Mm. Really cool. It sounds like a perfect tool for certain things. Yeah. And those are the kinds of things I'm often building. It's it's kind of like, you know, if I had something that I would think in the past, I'd think maybe, well, I'll, I'll use Sinatra for this. You know, now it's going to be like, mm, do I want to use Sinatra or do I want to use Meteor? I know. You know? <laughs> yeah. Because, um, I don't know, it just feels like the, the barrier to entry just feels a lot lower because it's it's JavaScript and Node in general seems to be a lot easier to install than your than your Rails environment. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, <laughs> that said, I still have to do, I haven't done anything as far as... um. Uh, like like setting up a production JavaScript server. Right. Well, I have I I will point I will hasten to let everyone know that I have been able to install the Node. <laughs> it's that's uh it's a lot easier than Rails. Anyway, so this is really exciting. I'm like super interested in looking at this. What what happens with like the location bar? Like as you're as you're interacting, does it just stay that like this is like a single page web app with no back back button support at all, or like does it update the URL in any way? Uh, right now, I've got it set up. Everything just stays the same. But there is there there is a a package you can include um, for URL routing, mm. and you can and you can set up actually set up routes within your application, and your URL bar will update accordingly. Mm, so you can deep link into a particular yeah. state. My preferred state for deep linking. Mm-hmm. Texas. Texas, yeah. Yeah, I like deep linking yeah, te- into Texas. Texas for deep, deep leaking in Texas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Austin specifically. Mm. Huh. Well, I am so excited to check that out that I kind of want to go do it right now. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so let's wrap on that note. That's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we hope you join us again next week, Gobble Gobble, for the Niche Podcast. Bye. Bye.